Okay, what up, what up, what up? This is Dean from The Dean's List and Online Living. Um, today is Sunday, and we're going to do our first chapter. Uh, they call it the first secret. Either Instead of chapters, each chapter is the secret. Uh, so, like, secret one, secret two, secret six, secret seven, you know what I mean? Um, instead of chapters, it's secrets. Okay, so I've made a decision that... Um, the Dean's List is going to remain a Facebook page, but the group is going to be in online living, okay? Um, so you go to, in your Facebook, you go to online living, there's no G at the end, online living. Um, so you put in your search bar um, on, on Facebook, online living at a new pair of glasses, Okay, and that's the group that I'm going to start putting everything in. All of the Dean's List. Um, uh, it'll also be listed on the Dean's List page. But please join the online living group. Okay, go to online living and join the online living group. I will also try and put a link on the Dean's List page. So that you can join in the online living group as well. Today... Secret number one. In section one, creating a mass movement. Alright, and this is out of the Expert Secrets book, written by Russell Brunson, which is the underground playbook for creating a mass movement of people who will pay you for your advice. Okay? Um, this is a huge chapter. Uh, I, I started to do this, and I was just going to jump in and do a quick... Uh, a quick segment, a quick podcast on it, and I realized that there is, it's almost every sentence, um, it's almost worth reading the whole chapter, but I don't think Russell would be happy with me if I did that, so I'm not going to do that. What I am going to do is take my time and go through this chapter, so sit down, get you a pen and paper, get ready to take some notes, um, because we're going to outline expert secrets. Section one, secret one, the charismatic leader, attractive, uh, attractive character. Okay, so every great mass movement has a leader, right? It's easy to assume that some people are just born leaders and others are not. It's possible that your biggest fear when you first read the title expert secrets, it's that you're not born an expert. Alright, and, and I know that was true for me as well, as Russell says it was true for him. It was true for me. Um, I had to really look at what I was an expert at, and, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, that's all in perspective. You know, to, to, a, to the, uh, to the fourth grader, the fifth grader is a genius. You understand? So you don't need to know everything. You just need to know more than the people you're teaching. Okay, and, and in my case, um, I'm reaching out to people who are just finding this message. That's who I'm looking for. People that uh, are, are on the job, that are on a construction site, realizing they cannot continue to do this kind of work the rest of their lives, or they're going to have to die with a paintbrush in their hand, or die with a, uh, you know, swinging from a ladder, or, you know die out in the cold digging holes 
and they're realizing they don't want to do that no more. Or it may be they're in a cubicle and they realize that they don't want to live like that no more. Um, and they want to start their own thing and they've got a message to get out to the world and, and they know that they, uh, that they can do it, man. And, and they just need to take the leap and they need to know how to do it. And I found the secret right here, man. Okay. And it's in this book. All right. So get out of there. Go lay down. Sorry for the interruption. Um, we got dogs. You know, especially let's, I'm going to do a little bit of backdrop and backstory about myself. Especially um, myself, I'm a painter by trade. Uh, I, I five six years ago I joined the the painters union. Um, you know, some to that to that extent. I think like it was 2013 is when I joined. Um, but I have been painting since I was 16, 17 years old. Uh, at age, I don't know, maybe 17, I realized that. Uh, you know, wallpaper was the thing I wanted to do. And so that's the niche that I picked and, and I went into because I had cousins in the business. Uh, my, some one or two of my brothers were in the wallpaper business. And so I became a wallpaper hanger. And um, I started out going my summers. I would go to Atlanta and hang wallpaper all summer long and then come home and go to school. You know, and at 16, 17, 18 years old, I was making 1500 a week all summer long. You know, and that put in my, and I didn't see it for what it was. I didn't see the reality of the situation um, that that I, I needed to go full force into business and do my own thing. Um, uh, you know, I thought that I didn't need any more education. I should have started educating myself. Uh, so when I did, I came home, I graduated, and I went full force into my business, into hanging wallpaper and painting. But I did it for somebody else. You understand? I, I mean, you're always a subcontractor. But you'd find contractors you'd work for and they would actually, you know, they'd keep you. And so I was working for low amounts of money. Um, there was years that I would pull away from them and go do my own thing. And, um, you know, and, and most of the time it worked out great. And I made a ton of money. Um, unfortunately, back then, uh, the, uh, the temptations of life got to me and... I found myself deep in an addiction, and uh, it took me years and years to get out of that. Um, you know, you know. Now uh, I'm deep, deep, deep into recovery, and that is going to be one of the uh, niches and areas that I actually build my information products in, and try to start helping people in there because there's a whole generation of people that have just completely been wiped off the face of the planet because of, you know, whatever drug, heroin, cocaine, methamphetamine, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's an epidemic and the opiate epidemic at this juncture, this time around, because there's been four other epidemics in this, four or five other epidemics, uh, but this epidemic itself is like the worst ever, so, um, that's where I'm going to put my information product and try and start help some of the families to heal and help some of the addicts to stay stopped, to stay sober, to stay clean. And, but to do that, I need to know how to become an attractive character, um, and a charismatic leader so that I can get people to follow me and so that I can show them that, you know, whatever message it is that I have, I can show them. All right. So, um, in my personal life, I'm pretty shy and reserved. But when I'm in my element, 
speaking out about the topics that I've mastered, shoot, I'm able to lead. You know what I mean? And I, I, I feel confident about the message I'm talking about. And so that's when um, publishing your story and studying dot-com secrets and expert secrets and knowing the material and knowing what it takes to do this becomes extremely important. Um, people become leaders when they first try to master something for themselves. Okay? Uh, after they've discovered the path, uh, they, they share the knowledge with others. And it starts by your own personal growth and then it switches over to contribution. So it's, you know, it's growth, you're a student, and you've got growth, and then you switch over to contribution as you're an expert. All right, so if you're nervous about having what it takes to be a charismatic leader, he wants to spend a few minutes talking to you, my guess is that you're amazing. And uh, what else does he say? He's had a really rare opportunity to coach thousands of experts. All right, Russell's been doing this a long time, probably since 2005, I think it was, he said. Um, And uh, he's had the rare opportunity to coach a lot of experts and to teach them how to make these information products and how to sell their goods online. Um, In almost every market you can dream of as he's worked in. So this is the right guy to learn from, is my point. Uh, I want to serve to help people... Same time. Yeah. All right. So this he goes into right right away. He goes into talking about how people because the name of the game is publishing. All right, and getting out in front of people, and you're gonna have to get in front of a camera, and you're gonna have to be that expert. But yet people feel inadequate um, and feel like that what they know isn't is, is important, and, and um, so yet at the same time they have this other voice that consistently tells them they're inadequate that they're not enough not smart enough, not focused enough not thin enough, not experienced enough, not good enough the strange thing is that often the more they do the more people they help, the louder the voice of inadequacy becomes whether you're just starting out or you've been at it for a while the biggest hurdle you're likely to face with positioning yourself as an expert secret um, is that is that you know that small voice of inadequacy um, you know, and you got to beat that down man you got to just just stay at it and um, let your results speak for themselves what's equally important to understand is you're not alone there's other people out there feeling this way there's other experts out there feeling this way um, I really feel people struggling with that negative inner voice because in all honesty that's the way I often feel is what Russell goes on to say he also says how blessed he is Uh, like he says he's one of the most blessed humans on the planet Uh, he's been given this gift from God that he you know that he must share Um, and if I don't share it that would be an injustice to him and to other people he could serve and that's the truth That's the truth for all of us. All of us got that expertise in us. And there's people out there that need to know that. We have the obligation, the moral obligation to teach them. All right, so. uh, All right, so yet as I am. uh, Yes. 
yet as I am out there in the trenches every single day building companies, working with entrepreneurs, trying to change the world in my own little way, I still wrestle with these feelings of inadequacy. As I talk to people, I realize that this same feelings keep most people from ever talking or ever taking on the mantle of an expert. Um, so the voice keeps them from stepping into that role. Uh, and it's a strategy for, for a couple of reasons. First, it deprives them of their experience and the opportunities they should have. More importantly, it deprives the people whose lives they can change. Um, the people that they can serve by sharing your God-given talents and expert abilities that they might never be reached. And that's the truth. Listen, we never know. We never realize the effects that we have on the world. Um, you have no idea what a smile and a handshake can do for the person who's on that last, last nerve that's standing on the ledge ready to jump off and, and end it all. A smile and a handshake could be the one thing that keeps them going and keeps them alive today. Um, in the same breath, that's, I mean, to share your knowledge and your expertise with people could be the one thing that changes their life around. You might be the one person on the planet that they can relate to, and so everybody else they can't relate to, they can relate to you, though. And now you have an opportunity to, to service them and to sh share with them your expertise. Um, the key is going to be finding the people that want your expertise and not just blasting it out to the whole world. But um, he goes on to, to talk about um, we don't give ourselves permission, okay? And so he, at this point in the book, he kind of, you know, he says, and I'm going to read it word for word because I couldn't say it any better. Um, so I want to pause here to take a moment, not so much to conceive, to convince you that you're an expert, but to give whatever permission you might need to be able to move forward. You have the ability, and I believe the responsibility to serve others with your gifts, whatever they are. You've been blessed with talents and ideas and unique abilities that have gotten you to where you are in life. And those gifts were given to you so you could share them with others with others there are people today who need what you have and they're just waiting for you to find your voice so you can help them change their lives what a tragedy for them if you don't develop that voice now the problem for most of us um, is that our unique abilities are things that come second nature so they don't seem that amazing and we dismiss them um, and he goes on to talk about his superpower. And Russell's superpower is looking at someone's business and knowing exactly what the hell they need right now in order to make money online. Um, he knows exactly. He can look at, you know, a niche or a business or whatever they're doing and know what funnel it takes, what message it's going to take to grab people's attention. And that is truly a superpower. A superpower that people are willing to pay millions of dollars for. Um, you know, he goes on to say, uh, I guess... Uh, my guess is that your superpower won't seem that like that big a deal to you. You know what I mean? It's 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 something that comes second nature. Something that's so simple that it couldn't possibly be that important. If you're an amazing cook, it's not that big a deal for you. But to someone who can't cook, it's a big deal. Maybe you're good at playing piano, fixing motorcycles, building chicken coops, dancing, painting, 
wallpaper, wall, drywall, bricklaying, concrete, uh, framing houses, um, baking cakes, making uh, strudel. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is that you've mastered that is, is just comes second nature to you that you do without thinking about it, that's the thing. That's the thing that you have the ability to help people with. I look at what comes easy to you and what you'd love to geek out on. And chances are that where your superpower that's where your superpower is hiding. Just waiting to be developed and shared with the world. Alright. But Russell, I'm not certified. I can't help people yet because I don't have a certification. Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins, the uh, multi-million dollar um, known by millions and millions of people um, motivational speaker slash entrepreneur was back in his early part of his career when he was before he knew NLP which is um, neuro-linguistic programming um, and he signed up okay to for a six-month training course but after a few days he fell in love with it and he gained skill quickly all right and so um he started helping people immediately and and his trainer said whoa whoa you can't do that tony's like well how can i do that he says you're not certified he said certified i know how to help people let's go help people man and he ended up getting kicked out of the course because of it the dude kicked Tony Robbins out of the course. Tony Robbins continued to educate himself, mastered it, and went on to make millions and millions of dollars, and more importantly, helped and saved millions and millions of people. Um, so he got his message out there, and it's your results are your certification. Your results are your certification. All right, but Russell, what if others know more about the topic than me? Well, there are going to be people out there that know more about the topic than you. Someone always knows more. That's okay. There's still billions of people on the planet that know less. With 7 billion people on the planet, I'm sure, I promise you, I'm sure there's a way to find 1,000 of them that really want to hear what you got to say or want to learn the skill of your, you know, your expertise. So... There was a book that they made a movie about it called Catch Me If You Can. I've talked about it before in the podcast. Um, it talks about a guy named Frank Abagnale. Uh, I believe, oh, I can't remember the guy who played the position, uh, who was the actor in the movie, but um, DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio played that part. Um, but he played the part of Frank Abagnale, a brilliant high school dropout who um, masqueraded as an airline pilot, a, a, a a pediatrician, a district attorney, among other things, um, uh, a college sociology professor. Okay, so he taught. Uh, he actually got. He he taught a semester at Brigham Young University as a sociology professor. All right, and when they caught him, when they finally caught up with this guy years later, they asked him, "How in God's name did you teach?" A sociology class when you don't have a, a you know a degree in that and he's like look all I had to do was read one half one chapter ahead of the students he only had to know one chapter ahead of the students in order to teach them and that goes with anything no matter what it might be 
We just need to know more than who we're teaching. So if you just educate yourself more than the rest, then you have the ability to share that knowledge and people are willing to pay for knowledge. It's a fact. All right, so you don't have to be the most knowledgeable person in the world on your topic. You just have to be one chapter ahead of the people you're helping. There will always be people in the world who know more advanced than you. Um, who are more advanced than you. That's fine. You can learn from them, but don't let it stop you from helping the ones who are chapter or two behind you. So who do you want to serve? That becomes the first question that needs to be answered. Truly, when you start any business, any information business, no matter what it is you're doing, who do I want to serve? Because if you answer this one wrong, you might build a a multi-million dollar company or whatever, multi-thousand dollar company and find yourself waking up every morning servicing a client that you don't want to be around. So you better know who you want to serve first. So that's the first question you ask. So he goes into it. Who do I want to serve? The answer to this question is typically people who were just like me before I became an before you became an expert, right? As a charismatic leader, you're going to lead people on a path you've walked before. Okay, so what path have I walked before? All right. Um, you know, I went to uh, uh, you know school in a small town. Um, you know, and uh, I grew up with uh, my parents were uh, present. I had three older brothers, and uh, um, I was I started partying at a young age and. Um, that changed into an addiction and that that lasted all through, you know, learning how to hang wallpaper and starting a business and working for other people and um, going through a marriage and raising a kid and, um, you know, starting another family after uh, I, I lost that marriage and um, on and on and on. My point is, I got to look through my life and go back through that and see exactly what and in what path have I walked that that I would feel confident enough about sharing with other people. Well, okay, I can look at it. Um, maybe wallpaper. I can teach people how to hang wallpaper. I can teach people how to paint. I can teach people how to stay sober and get clean. Um, I could uh, maybe dive into the realm of um, helping parents to deal with um, the addict. And maybe I can go into the realm of helping the, the drug and alcohol and mental health board create information courses to help teach the counselors what addicts actually need to stay sober there's a niche right there um and i know a guy in there right now doing something like that that's making a ton of money and the fact that it was such a good course now the board of alcohol uh, whatever it is drug and alcohol and mental health requires the counselors requires them in order to be a counselor you have to take his class so did he create a, a blue ocean there where um, he made it to where they have to pay him um, or at least someone like him and then you know I, I this journey that I'm on right now started probably almost two and a half three years ago now um, when I when I busted my foot and had surgery and got pins and plates in my foot and was down for almost a year year and a half and um it started then when I couldn't go earn my own money because I was physically unable to. I was hurt. And it was the first time in my life that I had to rely on someone else to 
to uh, go earn my money in order to pay my bills, um, I, I had to get help. <laughs> number one, I had to learn how to ask for help. But number two, I wasn't able to do it myself. So that's when my journey started. That's when I started to look around to see what kind of, how am I going to replace my income as a painter making, you know, almost fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year. Um, how am I going to replace that? And, uh, the online, the online internet model is how I'm going to replace it. Um, you know, and people are at this juncture now, two and a half years now, and I'm, I'm just now getting to the point where I'm ready to start making money. And people are like, dude, well, what are you doing? Why aren't you making money yet? How come it's taking so long? Listen, man, it took me a long time to become an expert wallpaper hanger. You know, I started at 16, but I wasn't an expert, you know, to where I could charge top-notch dollar from people that live in million-dollar homes and and, uh, decorators that charge 10 times what I'm charging uh, to the homeowners um, for my service. You know what I mean? I wasn't that good until probably four or five years later. You know what I mean? So for the two years, number one, I didn't know the computer. And number two, I didn't know how to market. Um, But after studying for two years, now I'm ready to go. Now I know which direction to go and how to do it. And I found the right people. And that's the Expert Secrets people. That's Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels and his whole following and whole community. All right. I get off on a tangent. I'm sorry. (coughs) So who do you want to serve? Um, we want to serve true believers. We want the people that truly believe in where we're at here. You know what I mean? That, that need what we're trying to offer. Um, sometimes it can be hard to identify exactly who those people are. And if you look closely, you'll find that almost all experts, all expert businesses are based on one of three core markets. Okay. Health wealth or relationships so the first question for us is which one of those three matches the area of your expertise right now all right um so um teaching uh, contractors how to make money online well that can fall under a couple that'll definitely fall under wealth right but that could also that could fall under all three that can fall under uh, health, wealth, or relationships. But you got to pick one. Your niche that you pick, it may fall under more than one of the three markets, but you can only create your message from the point of view of one of the markets. Remember that. That's a nugget for you. Because it's you got to be able to speak directly to the person. Um, and so in if, if I'm teaching somebody in... Uh, the construction niche um, to change their income and replace their income using uh, the online internet information product model. I want to be able to tell them from a perspective of how much money they're going to make, how much difference that money's going to make in their lives between them and their family. And that can go off on directions that are, um, you know, in the other you know, in the health aspect, because there's some people that are, are contractors that, like myself, it was a health issue. Uh, truly, I'm not physically able to do the work anymore. And so, um, 
it was a health reason for me that I needed to learn how to make money online. Even though it's a wealth product, even though it's in that's the core market, um, it was a health issue. You know, and whose relationships wouldn't be better um, if money was taken off the table as a as a, um, a part of the conversation? If you could remove the problem of money, whether it be not not enough, which that's mostly time most of the time that's the case, or if it's too much, uh, which that's a problem for some. I can't wait to have that problem someday, um, but. If it's too much money, um, if you remove that as a problem, um, how, how could it not affect relationships? So, once again, I'm getting off on a tangent. Um, let's get back to Russell's thoughts here. So, which of those three matches your area of expertise? Expertise, health, wealth, and relationships. Um, all right. So, the three markets. Inside the three core markets are multiple sub-markets. For example, inside health, you could have dozens of sub-markets. Okay, inside health, let's say diet, nutrition, strength training, weight loss, um, just to name a few. Uh, inside wealth, investing, real estate, sales. Um, let's go inside relationships, love, dating advice, marriage advice. Um, and there's a schematic in the book. I suggest going to buy this book. Um, and he goes into talking about all that. The list is practically endless um, in any of the three core markets. Um, there's always new sub-markets popping up. Okay? So, the next question is for what sub-market does your area of expertise fit into right now? Alright, but some may think that you found your answer and you're a real expert um, or a dating or weight loss coach, but the money is not in the sub-markets. The riches are in the niches. And those are one step beyond the sub-market. Alright, so look around at the other experts in your sub-market and see what they're selling. Where do you fit into the ecosystem? What can other... What, what, what can you offer people that's different and special? The goal is to carve out a unique spot in the ecosystem where you can thrive. That's your niche. And that niche is one of the keys to success as an expert. In the book Blue Ocean Strategy by W. Chan Kim and Renee Mauburn. Something like that. They talk about the fact that most markets are red oceans full of blood because of all the sharks feeding from the same small pool of fish the submarket is a very red ocean which is why it can be difficult to have success there if you think about how these markets have changed over time you'll see that the submarkets and niches developed as a reaction to those red oceans the first person who taught anything in the health market or wealth and relationships was working in a blue ocean with no other sharks or competition coming after their customers so they made a bunch of money but people quickly saw the success that others were making jumped into the waters too also and over time the waters grew red and the sharks started feeding on the same customers that's why it became necessary for people to create their own blue oceans 
And that's where the submarkets began. The first teachers in these submarkets experienced the same thing, great success as well, until people jumped in and bloodied the waters. The smart people looked around and figured out what they could create inside the submarket that would become a new opportunity to those customers. And then they created the new blue ocean once again. The mistake many people make today is they start looking at the niches, find one that looks good and start building their company from there. The problem is that jumping into an existing niche is stepping into someone else's blue ocean. If you're the third or fourth or fifth person in that niche, then the waters are already starting to get bloody. I suggest that you look at the submarket, try to create a new niche, a fresh blue ocean for yourself, create a new opportunity for people so they'll want to dive right in. This is what I mean when I say you need to carve out your own spot of the ecosystem. If you jump into an already existing red ocean, you'll be fighting an uphill battle. But if you create a blue ocean, you'll find success so much easier. I love that, man. That, that just makes makes a ton of sense. All right, and so he digs down into the submarkets now, right? Um, there's a um, an image of the three submarkets. And then you got the submarkets, and then niche one, your niche, niche two, niche three, niche four. Um, uh, all right, so going down into the submarkets. Matter of fact, I'm going to read this chapter up here also. Not chapter, but this paragraph. I'm sure that this makes sense to you conceptually, but in practice, it could be a little harder to nail down just the right niche. One that can be one that matches your superpower. And that becomes to be the key. You got to match your superpower with the niche that you're going into. When we get to secret number three later on, I'll show you how to, identi- how to identify exactly what you are offering and how you are unique in your niche. For now, here are some examples of, to help illustrate those blue oceans. So you got help, or health, nutrition, high fat diets. Okay, so high-fat diets is the niche. It's the niche that's inside the sub-market nutrition that's in the core market health. Here's another one, weight loss for college students. Weight loss for college students is in the sub-market weight loss in the health core offer, core offer health. Um, Flipping houses on eBay inside the real estate sub-market that's inside the wealth market. Core market is wealth. Uh, here's another one for wealth. Facebook traffic for e-commerce products. All right, learning how to run Facebook ads. Inside the sub-market online business, inside the core market wealth. All right, here you go. Relationships, dealing with teenagers. You know, maybe dealing with drugs, uh, dealing with teenagers that do drugs. Um, inside the sub-market parenting inside the market core market relationships or how to recover after a breakup or how to find a you know a date on Friday night whatever um, that's the niche inside the submarket dating inside the core market relationships and that's the example he gives in the book um, y'all gotta buy this book there's so much more that I'm gonna miss that you're not going to be able to hear in this outline and it's every sentence is worthy of putting in this outline, I got to tell you, but um, 
So get the book. It's 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 free. If you go to expertsecrets.com, yeah, you know, and and I'll actually I'll put a link to it, um, so you can grab it through me. Um, but it doesn't cost you any more if you get it through me. It just I'll, I can make it easy for you. Um, or you can just go to expertsecrets.com. The book is free. They make you pay for the uh, shipping. I think it's seven ninety five. If I'm not mistaken, something like that. All right. So as you can see. You need to be a little creative to carve out your own niche. All right. But it's the key to success. And you'll discover in secret three, what you have to offer must be different from everyone else in your market. Um, then you will, then you'll start to see where you fit in this ecosystem. Uh, you want to create a message that will complement the other players in your market, not compete with them. If you do this correctly, all your big competitors will almost instantly become your best partners. All right, so dig it. I got this from Steven. Um, he's also one of the two comic club coaches at ClickFunnels, um, Steven Larson. So now you heard me talk about the red oceans, right? And so you got the red oceans that are in your submarkets, right? And let's say your niche. And I'm going to give you an exact example. Let's say your niche is um, resistance bands. All right, there's 100,000 people out there or more probably selling resistance bands right now. Okay, the exercise bands in the health core market. The sub-market is um, exercise, you know what I mean? Or strength strength building, or um, that would be the, the sub-market, you know, um, um, yeah, strength, uh, building muscle, um, exercising, it would be in that sub-market. Okay, but the niche would be using resistance bands. But it's a red market now. It's a red market. It's a red ocean now. So how can we do that differently? All right, well, I've got the founder of the resistance band movement, Dick Hartzell, if you ask me. He's the original rubber band man. So that's one way that it's different. But number two, he has a product that, that complements um, resistance bands that goes with them. They're not bands. He has another product, uh, a piece that goes with them that I could turn around and sell or partner up with the other 100,000 people selling bands because I'm not competing with them. Because he wouldn't be competing with them because his product is completely different. And so now all those people in his niche would be able to help him partner up and get in front of the people that would be interested in his product. All right, so you want to sell back into the Red Ocean. Once you're, you're, uh, you figure out where, you, where, where you're going to be, what sub-market you're going to be in, and then, okay, yes, it's a Red Ocean. Now I've got to create something that's totally different and there's already people out there buying it from these people in the Red Ocean. And you want to turn around and sell right back into that Red Ocean of them people. So you want to make the product congruent. Something that is it's, it, it, it complements the, the products that are being sold in the Red Ocean right now. But completely different. I hope you're gathering what I'm saying here. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I hope so. All right, I got to get through this or I'm going to lose my voice. It already sounds like I'm losing it. Let me get a sip of coffee. My family went to church today. 
they had to go do some shopping afterwards. So I figured I better get this done while they're gone. It's always noisy here. I would do a lot more. I would do a lot more publishing. Um, I'm at home right now, um, and so at home it's just it's it's very noisy when everybody's home. All right, compliment. All right, that's good. After all right, so he goes into these questions. All right, question number one. Would people in this submarket be excited about the new opportunity I'm presenting in my niche? These are, these are definitely things that you've got to ask yourself. All right. And he goes into, uh, okay, because you're pulling people from a submarket into a new niche, it's important to make sure they will be excited about what you want to share. All right. For example, let's say your hot market is wealth, your submarket is real estate, and the niche you're going to carve out. For yourself is teaching people how to flip houses on eBay. Would people in real estate be excited about this new niche? The answer to that is probably yes. Question two, are the people in this market irrationally passionate? Yes. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm talking about uh, uh, the health, exercise, resistance band. Are those people in that market irrationally passionate? Yes, they are. The people that are out there using bands and and working out and strength training with resistance bands are extremely passionate about using them because they know they work. Um, and so, yes, is the, would be the answer for that question. Are you irrationally passionate about your topic? There's another question you need to ask yourself. Are you irrationally passionate about your topic? Um, when you hang out with friends and family, do you always bring it up, even if no one else seems to care? Like, my family are so sick of me talking about making money online that I can see it on their face when I start to talk about it. It's like, after two years of it, and me being in awe and wow of what's going on out in the market today and the ability to make so much money online right now if you only have the knowledge um, to put it all together is just astronomical. And I just I talk about it with anybody who will listen. And I, it, it's actually become a problem. So that's one of the questions that he said, you know, one of the things he brings up. Um, if so, that's a good sign, though. Uh, but are there others as irrationally passionate as you? Got to ask that about your niche. Um, is there communities? Um, does it have its own vocabulary? Do they have their own events? Is there other experts out there in the niche that you're carving out? There must be established experts already thriving and selling information products in your market. You don't want to be the first celebrity in a market. Let somebody else get the arrows in their back. Pick a market that's already working. Start from success. Don't start from something that you have to, you know, grind it out for 10 more years. If, if your goal is to, you know, replace your income right away. Um, so we'll start from success. Question number three. Are these people willing and able to spend money on information? Sometimes people are willing to spend money but not able. Sometimes they're able but not willing. You must be both willing and able to spend money. So you got to make sure that there's other people doing that in your niche. Who do you need to become as a leader? Who do you need to become as a leader? Jay Abraham once said, People are silently begging to be led, and I believe that's true. 
So how do you become the type of leader they need? I've come up with a few rules you can follow to become a charismatic leader for your movement. Number one, rule number one, become an attractive character and live the life your audience wishes to, they could live. All right, so in Secret Six, my first book, Dotcom Secrets, I talk about the concept called attractive character. We went deep into figuring out our, our out your backstory, character flaws, identity, storylines, and more. So read Dotcom Secrets as well, because it goes deep into this. But um, we'll be digging into some of the elements like identity and storylines throughout this book. I do re- recommend reading Dotcom Secrets, he says. The key is to understand that the people will follow you because you have completed the journey that they are on right now and that they want the result that you have already achieved. They want to become like you. Alright, so like for myself, um, with with coming up on three years sober and clean, there's a ton of people out there that can't put together two days, can't put together a week, can't hold on for more than 30 days, can't get over the six-month hump can't seem to put together a year every time they get close they they fall um in the recovery niche and so i can provide information on how to do that um same thing with weight loss um i'm walking that journey right now um like right now i just i just started about a month ago on my battle with my weight Uh, i walked up to a scale and got on there and it said 299 and i said enough was enough the pain had become great enough to make change and so, and it's in most of the time, that's where people make their change is in pain. Um, once the pain's great enough, that's when we start making changes. Okay, so anyways, back to this. <coughs> um, let's see, the gap between where they see themselves and where they see you is what moves them to action. It helps them make the necessary changes. So if you aren't willing or don't show them both sides, where you came from and where you are now, then they won't take action. So you got to be able to show them where you were, you know what I mean, where you come from, or they won't take action. Rule number two, maintain absolute certainty. Certainty is what draws people to leaders, to experts self-confidence a confident message a confident voice be strong in what you're talking about um the more you share your message with others the more you're certain you will be the more certain you will become uh the platform is less important than the consistency of sharing it's not as important where you share it's important that you share so whether you're putting a facebook post uh, long form post and sharing your story or if you're doing a podcast or you're doing a Facebook live or you're doing something on YouTube or you're making TikTok videos or you're writing on somebody's blog or you're journaling and making it public or whatever the case may be as long as you're telling your story because the more you tell it the more confident you'll be when you first start you're not going to be posting these for your audience you're going to be posting them for you Eventually, people will start to follow, but initially, it's so that you can discover your voice. As you do that, your audience will grow and you will become more confident and your message will become clear. Over time, 
That consistency will give you absolute certainty and you will become your message. Rule number three, don't be boring. Your audience must be fascinated with you and what you teach. If you're boring, they're not going to connect with you. Everybody gets real monotone and it's like this and you got to learn that and you got to... You gotta stay, you gotta keep spruce it up, man. Um, and I'm guilty of that sometimes. A lot of times my voice is a problem. And so, um, you can't stay monotone, it can't be boring. We have to make it exciting. Throw some stories in there. You know, when I first started studying on this, nobody else was doing this. Uh, there was in the world, in the country, you know what I mean? Around the world, there was people doing it, but nobody else was doing it around me. So it's like, people are like, what are you doing? Why are you spending so much time learning what other people are doing to make money online? Because one of these days, they're going to be studying my stuff. One of these days, I'll be the expert, and they'll be trying to figure out what I did to make all that money. That being said, rule number three, don't be boring. Your audience must be fascinated with you and what you teach. If you're boring, they're not going to connect with you. Um, it's gotta be, you gotta stay. It's gotta stay relevant. Highly prolific. You know what I mean? It's very important. Oops. All right. Um, here you go. I like this one. I made sure I put an extra star by it. When I say prolific to some people. They think I'm talking about producing a lot of content. While that is true, there's nothing, there's another definition for for prolific. Someone who has an abundant inventiveness. I like that, abundant inventiveness. They invent new, unique ideas all the time. That's the type of prolific I'm talking about. To make the biggest impact on the most people at the same time make the most money it's a vital it's vital that you fit your message into the sweet spot on what I call the prolific index so you know, so one end on all the way to the right you got crazy all the way to the other side you got crazy in the middle you got mainstream but right in the middle of mainstream and crazy is where the prolific zone is You know, mainstream is where you can punch it into Google and find all the information for nothing. It's free. Crazy is, well, he gives an example of crazy, which is a good example. I'm going to use it. Um, Crazy is like this, these uh, uh, movie and these followers of these people that the movie was called Eat the Sun. And the people believe that um, all you have to do is stop eating and stand in front of the sun and do sun worship and, and you're good. You don't have to eat nothing. And so that's completely nuts. That's so far nuts that people aren't going to give you money. But he uses the example of this dude. Um, I can't remember his name. Dave Asprey from Bulletproof Coffee. All right. Dave was climbing Mount Kalash, Kalash, Kalash in Tibet. And he stopped at a a guest house for shelter in 10 degree weather. He was given a creamy cup of yak butter tea that made him feel amazing. He tried to figure out why he felt so good. He soon discovered it was from the high fat 
in this tea. So he started adding butter and other fats to his coffee and teas. This experience eventually helped him create a national phenomenon called Bulletproof Coffee. And he made millions of dollars. Let me see, hold on a second. Excuse me, one moment. Matter of fact, let's take a quick break. Okay, I'm back. Um, we were uh, talking about Bulletproof Coffee and how he made millions of dollars in the prolific zone. And where that prolific zone is, uh, when your message causes polarity, it attracts attention and people will pay for it. Neutrality is boring and rarely is money made or change created when you stay neutral. Being polar is what will attract raving fans and people who will follow you and pay for your advice. So you want to have polarity. Everybody's not going to agree with you and that's okay. There's enough people out there that are going to agree with you that as long as your message is helping people, there's going to be enough people out there that are going to agree with the way you're doing it. And so even the ones that are talking bad about you, listen, some people are of the mind that it doesn't matter what kind of publicity you get. You know, even bad publicity is good publicity. So you got to stay neutral. All right. Um. Being polar is what will attract raving fans. Uh, I wanted to warn you about this early because often people, including me, really struggle when others get upset or disagree with their ideas. Okay, because there's going to be a bunch of people out there that don't agree. For every hundred true fans you follow, you're likely to get one person who doesn't like you. That's all right. They don't have to like you. You know, and as long as your message is true and and straight to the point and it provides value to people and solves problems or brings pleasure, um, it don't matter whether they like you or not. You've got to become okay with that because without the polarity of your message, you can't go to your true fans and help create the change they need. Um, one tip I learned from Dan Kennedy, Russell goes on to say that he learned from Dan Kennedy that helped him cope with the small percentage of haters who will disagree with your message. If you haven't offended someone by noon each day, you're not marketing hard enough. If you truly believe that what you have is useful and valuable to your clients, then you have a moral obligation to try to serve them in every way possible. Yeah, man, dig it. Diggy, dig it, man. I love it. Um, what do you teach? Where is it on the prolific index? Like uh, um, resistance bands, okay? Resistance band is perfect. That is prolific, okay? Even though there's got it's pretty red out there now. Um, when he created it, it was extremely prolific. Um, it was right in the sweet spot because everybody was using. All the other methods, you know what I mean? Everybody was using uh, either free weights or um, those huge machines, uh, which on both of those, a lot of kids and a lot of people were getting hurt. As where the bands, now you didn't have as many people getting hurt. 
And that's what actually inspired him to create the product. Is that he was doing an exercise one day, and he kept having people get hurt with their shoulders. And he says, why can't I do this with a, a rubber product and use a band to do this? And so that's what started him to thinking about developing um, the, the jump stretch. Okay, so uh, where is your niche on the prolific index? Whatever it is that you teach, where is it in the prolific index? Um, all right, rule number four, understand how to use persuasion. Now, he talks about a book called The One-Sentence Persuasion Course by Blair Warren. Listen, there's a lot of books out there on persuasion. There's a lot of them out there on persuasion. Check it out. Learn about it. Because we use it and don't even know it. And millions and millions of advertisers use it every day on us. And we don't know it. Um, but once you educate yourself, you'll know when people are trying to persuade you or not. People will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, allay their fears, confirm their suspicions, and help them throw rocks at their enemies. I like that. People will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, allay, uh, ally their fears, allay. It's spelled A-L-L-A-Y. Allay their fears. Confirm their suspicions. And help them throw rocks at their enemies. Um, here's a quick recap on why each of these is so important. Encourage their dreams. Uh, encourage them inside the new opportunity you're creating for them. Um, and he goes on real deep about it. About each one of them. Justify their failures. You'll not be the first person they have tried to learn from. It's important that you take on, that you take the blame for past failures off their shoulders and place it back onto the old opportunity that they attempted in the past. This way, they'll be more open to trying your new opportunity. So you got to pull the blame off the old opportunity, or no. you got to make sure that the blame is on the old opportunity. It's important that you take the blame from the past failures off of their shoulders. That's what it is. got to make sure it comes off their shoulders. It's not their fault. It was the old opportunity's fault. But now we got a new opportunity. Here it is. What do you think? Give it a try. Um, one need look no further than politics to see this powerful game played at its best. Yeah, baby. All right, allay their fears. Allay their fears. To allay is to diminish or put to rest. Allay. If you can put their fears to rest and give them hope, they will follow you to the ends of the earth and back again. And those are the kind of true fans that you want. When we're afraid, it is almost impossible to concentrate on anything else. So allay their fears. Realize this and pay special attention to our fears. Um, they work with us until our fear subsides. They present evidence. They offer support. They tell us stories. They do not tell us how to feel and expect us to feel that way. Yeah, I like that.
We go on as if we'd solved the problem. Here, I'm going to read this whole paragraph. This is a good paragraph. Dig this. When we are afraid, it is almost impossible to concentrate on anything else. And while everyone knows this, what do we do when someone else is afraid and we need to get their attention? That's right. We tell them not to be afraid and expect them to, expect that to do the trick. Does it work? Hardly never. And yet, we don't seem to notice. We go on as if we've solved their problem and that person before us fades further away. But there are those who do realize that this and they pay special attention to our fears. They do not tell us not to be afraid. What they do is they work with us until our fear subsides. They present evidence. They offer support. They tell us stories. But they do not tell us how to feel and expect us to feel that way. When you are afraid, which type of person do you prefer to be with? Alright, that's good, man, because you want to be that person. That person that, you know, that, that presents evidence, that offers support, tells them stories, calms them down. That's good. Alright, so another one is, confirm their suspicions. Your audience is already suspicious of you, and others in the market. They're skeptical about making the leap forward. When you can confirm their story format, when you can confirm this in story format, that you had similar suspicions and describe how you how you overcame them, it will bond people to you. Wow, my voice is really giving me a hard time. <coughs> oh, sorry, y'all. So sorry, y'all. Sometimes I speak at um, uh, for. Uh, for recovery, I, I lead, I do lead meetings, I go into uh, rehabilitation clinics, and uh, after about an hour, my voice is shot. So, bear with me, please. Get some juice in there, alright. Um, there's just nothing quite like having our suspicions confirmed. When another person confirms something that we suspect, we not only feel a surge of superiority, we feel attracted to the one who helped make that surge come about. Isn't that the truth, though? For sure. Um, let me read that again to you. Um, there is just nothing quite like having our suspicions confirmed. When another person confirms something that we suspect... We not only feel a surge of superiority, we feel attracted to the one who helped make the surge come about. And he goes into talking about, like Hitler confirmed the suspicions of many Germans about the cause of their troubles and drew them further into his power by doing so. Cults often confirm the suspicions of prospective members by telling them that their families are out to sabotage them. It's a simple thing to confirm the suspicion of those who are desperate to believe them. Pretty good. Throw rocks at their enemies. The one big key to growing your following is creating us versus them within your community. 
Take a stand for what you believe, why you're different, and who you're collectively fighting against. Why is your movement better than the alternatives? Nothing bonds us like having a common enemy. I realize how ugly this sounds, and yet it is true just the same. Those who understand this can utilize this. Those who don't understand it, or worse, understand but refuse to address it, are throwing away one of the most effective ways to connecting with others. No matter what you may think of the rest of this, rest assured that people have enemies. All people. The thing they are struggling with is their enemy. Whether it's another individual, a group, illness, setback, rival philosophy, religion, uh, politics, what have you. When one is engaged in a struggle, one is looking for others to join them. Those who do become more than friends, they become partners. Diggy dig it, man. Diggy dig it. Alright. Rule number five. Care a lot. This is the last rule, I think. No, there's one more. Care a lot. Hold on, I gotta take a pause again. Hold on. Sorry, we're going to take a break for our sponsors. Okay, okay, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Sorry. Um, Alright, rule number five, care a lot. Uh, showing people that you actually care about them. Um, it's the next part of being a charismatic leader. Uh, they don't care how much you know until you know, until they know how much you care. Uh, if your audience thinks you are just in it to make money, then your vehicle for change will not last long. Okay? So this has got to be about helping people or it won't last. Choose your ideal clients correctly. Um, that is, you know, you'll have people you'd be willing to serve and teach and train for free because that's how much you care about them. That's what I'm doing today. This outline is free. I ain't charging nobody for this. You know, where they'd have to actually order the book and take action. God forbid. Listen, take action. Take action. Ten times the action you've been taking. If you want results, if you ever want to get results in anything, do ten times the work. You'll get results. You can't just keep educating. You gotta execute. You must execute. Take action. All right. So, choose your ideal clients correctly. Um, one struggle most of us have as we try to serve our audience is the guilt sometimes associated with getting them to pay us, all right, to ask for money. These are just two reasons it's essential to their success that they pay you. First, first, those who pay. Pay attention. If they paid for it, then they're going to want to get their money out. Their money's worth. You know what I'm saying? Um, like when I went to Funnel Hacking Live. I went to Funnel Hacking Live last year. All right, 2019. I paid $1,000 for the ticket to get into that event. Just to get into the event. 
I still I had to pay to get there, so I had to rent a car. I had to pay to sleep, which I didn't do. I, I rented a minivan and slept in the minivan. I had to pay to eat. Um, so it was into a $2,000 ordeal before it was over, um, which I did not have. I did not have that money to spend. I spent my last dollar doing it. But what did it do for me? I'll tell you what it did. I got my value out of it because I had some doubts. There was that little shred of doubt that they might just be out to get my money, that they're really not, they don't have this huge following of people and that it's all online and they all made up all this bullshit and all the numbers that they talk aren't real. And well, I smashed that illusion. That $2,000 was the best $2,000 I've ever spent in my life. Because now I know, without a shred of doubt, that I'm going in the right direction. If I just continue to take action, I will get results. Okay, so, um, for those who pay, they pay attention. Um, Because they have invested money to be there, they turn the information into multiple... Uh, multiple million dollar a year companies. Uh, he was actually telling a story because he's given people free tickets to his $25,000 events. See, Funnel Hacking Live is $1,000, right? That's just uh, their yearly get-together that they, you know, get everybody on stage that last year they were in the seats like myself, but this year they're on stage telling everybody how they did it, and so they share that information at Funnel Hacking Live, amongst many other things. Not to mention the networking abilities to do there. Some of that's priceless. But some of other his other products, one of them is $25,000. Matter of fact, um, it was the uh, his dot-com secrets event. I think he charges twenty five grand for. Well, over the past 10 years, he's given away many seats for his family members and friends to come and attend. Not one of them that had a free ticket uh, did anything with it. They did nothing with the information because it was free. They didn't have to, you know, they didn't have anything at stake. They didn't have anything invested. Because they had invested money to be there, they turned that same information that the other ones had for free, they took the same information and turned it into multi-million dollar companies. Yes, those who pay, pay attention. And the more they pay, the closer attention they pay. You are actually doing your audience a huge disservice if you undervalue what you're selling. The second thing is, the more success you have, the less time you will have. I remember when I first started, how proud I was that I answered all my customer support emails and talked often for hours, to everyone who asked me a question. I thought I was serving my audience, but because of how accessible I was to everyone, I wasn't able to serve as many people at all. Um, You will need to put up barriers to protect your time so you can serve more people. By charging what you do, you are showing those who do invest how much you really care about their success. All right, so rule number six, often offer, no, not often, offer their value from their perceived relationship with you. Offer them value from their perceived relationship with you. 
Um, they want to get the value as they define as they define it. Um, they want to get the value as they define it. We can't push our definition of value on them. We have to allow them to feel that in the way they define it. Um, you got to meet people where they're at, man. What's valuable to me might not be as valuable to the guy sitting next to me. You understand? Um, he explains, uh, let me see. We are, we are quick to define the value as some result we assume they are seeking. Like make a million dollars or lose 50 pounds. But that's not always how they define the value they want to get. Not everybody's looking to make a million dollars, believe it or not. Not everybody's looking to lose 50 pounds. So, we can't push our definition of value on them. We have to allow them to feel that in the way they define it. That's important. Alright, and uh, they have to get the value as they define it. They just he, he really drives that point home. And he goes into that pretty deep. He talks about that a little bit more. Alright, here's the last sentence in the paragraph. Last couple sentences. Alright. Matter of fact, I'm going to read the last paragraph of this chapter. Those are, the, those are a few of the keys to becoming a more interesting and charismatic leader. Understand, though, that you don't become that leader overnight. Start sharing your message and become consistent with it so you can find your voice. Figure out where your message can polarize people into true fans. Share your backstory and flaws. Be transparent. And over time, you will naturally become the leader your tribe needs. Alright man, that's the first section. That's the first secret. We did it. We started. <coughs> that was a long chapter though, man. For sure. The next chapter, the next secret, is called The Cause. The Cause. Let me read the first paragraph. The second piece you need in order to create a mass movement is a future-based cause. For every political, social, or religious movement throughout history, the charismatic leader paints a picture of the future they are trying to create and what life would be like when they get there. So stay tuned for the next segment. Um, keep your eyes peeled for uh, the secret number two in the Expert Secrets outline. And y'all have a great Sunday afternoon. Do my best to. And um, listen, if nobody else told you today that they love you, I love you. Peace.